if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, eight minutes after 10 o'clock. Thanks for joining us as hour number two continues, or at least gets underway now on this Tuesday, the 23rd morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2021. I want to apologize. I let the uh, opening of the show go by without giving us our daily pledge. I started this a few weeks back, as you recall, because the Democrats refused to recite the Pledge of Allegiance uh, before committee hearings, the start of committee hearings, as requested. And um, I think it's important to all of us to set the example, or for all of us to set the example. So each and every show we're going to start with, and in this case, we'll start the second hour with uh, our daily pause for the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. No better way to start your day than with a twofer. Number one, we get to show our allegiance to our great country. Number two, we get to tick off liberals everywhere who are cringing when they hear that thing. All right, so uh, without further ado, let's begin Hour 2 on a Tuesday, the way we always do. Our good friend Peter Kersenow is with us. Peter Kersenow, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, now the longest-serving member of that commission. He is also a best-selling author, a columnist for the National Review, an attorney, and, yes, he is the host of the Kersenow Report, which you hear on AM 14. Twenty. The answer, Peter. Good morning, sir. Bob, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. My it's a friend. great day. It's 348 days until the Super Bowl, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm also looking forward to participating in that uh, for one play at least. So, if they don't <laughs> wait, want wait, to wait, do wait, it wait, wait, the... wait, wait, you want you want to play in the Super Bowl? I thought you just wanted one play. Why not? for one play in the year in the season? Uh, you know, I think big. You know, it would have satisfied me if it was just the preseason, then it was the regular season. I figured, what the heck? Let's shoot for the whole shooting match here. Shoot for the stars. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? That's, that's the way to go. All right, Pete, there's so much ground to cover here. As I mentioned to you this morning, I kind of joked about our little text exchange when I first came on the air because I said Pete and I always kind of arrange what topics we're going to cover together. And today I said I've got, I need like five hours with him because there are so many things that are of such great importance here, including yesterday's... Um, Unbelievable answers by AG nominee Merrick Garland. But, Pete, you said you wanted to start with this, so we're going to start with this. I'm going to play this exchange 
with uh, Joe Biden and a uh, CNN host during his town hall meeting last week. We've been playing a lot of this, actually. Um, different clips from that that exchange uh, in the town hall uh, town hall meeting. But this particular one struck a nerve with you, and I'm going to let people hear this. He's being asked about the uh, growing uh, evidence, according to the DOJ, of white supremacist organizations and domestic terror groups uh, made up of white supremacists, uh, threats to this country. And this is what Joe Biden had to say. Like millions of my fellow citizens, I was shaken by the attack on the Capitol on January 6th and on, on our democracy more broadly by your predecessor and his followers. While I appreciate efforts being made to bring them to justice. I have to stop there. Oh, my God. Did you? I didn't even recognize that part of this when I first heard that, Pete. The threat brought by your predecessor on democracy. He literally is bla- right. said Trump did this, despite the fact that the uh, the uh, uh, trial in the Senate has already been conducted and he has been acquitted. The question, talk about leading a witness. The question is the attack brought on by your predecessor and his followers. Had to get that in Civil there. Civil rights and opposition to white supremacists, the Ku Klux Klan, and the most dangerous people in America continue to exist. That is the greatest threat to terror in America, domestic terror. And so I would make sure that my Justice Department and the Civil Rights Division is focused heavily on those very folks. And I would make sure that we, in fact, focus on how to deal with the rise of white supremacy. And you see what's happening in the studies that are beginning to be done, maybe at your university as well, about the impact of former military, former police officers on, on the growth of white supremacy in some of these groups. All right, Pete, that was the one that got you the most. Veterans of the United uh, States military yeah. and, and former police officers are the ones who are leading the growth of white supremacist groups. This is what he alleged. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, so much to unpack there. Uh, but consider, first of all, the elocution that white supremacy is the greatest, th- greatest threat to terrorism. Okay. This is just one of the most amazing things in the world. We do have somebody who is mentally deficient as president. I hate to say that, but, but it's just so plain. And we're, we're supposed to be playing along with this. The media plays along with this. This is reprehensible. The statement he made as commander-in-chief, commander-in-chief of our armed forces, smearing them, saying that they are the greatest threat to our country, that they are the cause for a rise of white supremacy. As I said, difficult to unpack because there's so many abject falsehoods in this. I wish someone would go to the data. Someone come to the Civil Rights Commission. Look at the data with respect to this ostensible white supremacy that seems to be erupting all across the land. Ask yourself, ask your listeners, all of your listeners out there, ask yourself, when's the last time they saw a Klan member? When's the last time they saw a white supremacist? Identify for me specifically the white supremacists that were engaged in any kind of terrorist action. And there have been maybe a few, you know, the individual in in, uh, the Pittsburgh synagogue situation may ostensibly have been a white supremacist or at least may have self-identified as such. It's still unclear. And I'm not saying there aren't any, Mm -hmm. but to say it's the greatest threat to democracy, the greatest threat to America, the greatest threat, period, is the most ridiculous thing imaginable. We know with our own eyes, we can look and see where the threats are. We saw the threats over the summer. No one said anything about that. There was not a white supremacist in sight when billions of dollars in property damage were being, uh, was being done, when we had dozens of people killed, 
thousands upon thousands of people injured, businesses destroyed. This is incredible. It, and it's part of these series of big lies that have been told over the last several years. Media does it uncritically because they were trying to get Trump out of office. Now they want to make sure that Trumpism is dead and buried. They're besmirching individuals, but it's particularly egregious when you have the commander in chief besmirching veterans, people who have fought for the, com- the country, people who have given their lives. Every morning when I'm on my treadmill, I always see ads for uh, Tunnel to Towers and other organizations, Wounded Warriors. And you see these guys who've given virtually everything but their lives for this country, and their commander-in-chief blithely smears them with this lie. In addition to that, ex-cops, people who are charged with – every day they get up, they go out there, have a thankless job – Everybody in the world is after them. Every single person who is supposedly their oversight seems to be saying that they're the problem, not the people that they are they're trying to put away, the, the real criminals. The criminals are given a pass. After the cops arrest them, heck, half of uh, the Democratic precincts around here want to release these criminals, but they'll go after the cops for enforcing the law. This is an abomination. We shouldn't be standing for this. We shouldn't stand for anyone who stands for it, such as the media that allows these types of comments to simply roll off of them without even questioning it. We, we're in a, I've said this before, Bob, we're in a dangerous pass right now, and... Um, if there's any kind of solace, it's that we know that Joe Biden doesn't know what he's talking about. He has no clue what he's talking about, and he's simply repeating things. But there's a danger to that, too, because everyone knows that this individual who is the most now, at least ostensibly, the most powerful man in the world is wholly incompetent. That emboldens our enemies, but it dispirits, dispirits us domestically to attack some of the best in our country the way he did smearing them. I, I could go on forever, Bob. Let's, but this yeah, is let, let, me, let me jump in. Let me jump in to kind of uh, give you a breath and, and, and hit something specific here. Um, he said that in response to the leading question by what's his name on CNN, um, that the greatest threat we face is the growing, growing and the rise of white supremacy. I, I want to know what, what data they're using to indicate that there is a rise in white supremacy or white supremacist organizations. Now, he's using, as is everyone on the left, including in the media, the January 6th riot, the Capitol riots, as an example of white supremacy gone over the top. And to my understanding, Pete, there is not one single shred of evidence much less a preponderance of it that those people were white supremacists. What they were, Pete, is white. The vast majority of them that were there at, at Trump's speech on January 6th were indeed white. So to the left, that means these are white supremacists. They're white and they supported Donald Trump. Therefore, they're white supremacists. And this is what is giving them license to say white supremacy is out of control. They're attacking our, our way of life. They're attacking our government. They're leading an insurrection. There is no evidence whatsoever that these people believe in white supremacy. And I want to tie this, Pete in one of the other stories, and that is the corporate race training that you and I talk about on a regular basis. We talk about critical race theory being forced <coughs> upon children, students, and employer, you know, grown men and women in their places of work, now including what I'm calling Coca-Cola, uh, because Coca-Cola brought in the leading race, critical race theorist, if you will, and what she and they were teaching white employees to do is literally be less white. Whiteness is now evil, and whiteness equals, going back to the other story, whiteness equals white supremacist. 
Because if you're white and you were at the speech, you are a white supremacist. Pete, that is a whole hell of a lot of attacks on one race of people for doing absolutely nothing except supporting their president and supporting their political candidate. We've devolved into a national insanity here that's really uh, bewildering. It's been happening in slow motion for about 30 years, but in the last 30 months or so, it has accelerated at a breakneck pace. It's difficult to keep up with all of this. It's difficult to say what what should be said, that this is all insane, that it is all a giant lie. Uh, We have got almost everybody in a leadership position either intentionally or because they've been cowed into doing doing so, repeating these lies. The data is out there with respect to the whole issue of white supremacy, and I won't belabor you with it. I think we've talked about it before, but we've got the data sure. on that, and it's just so infinitesimally small, you know, and, and, and also kind of hapless. I think we talked once about this uh, Adam Waffen group that the Southern Poverty Law Center, when they compile their hate group list, is always going in one direction. They tout these, these groups, but when you take a good hard look at them, they are these inept, some, most of the time, little kids who are only a danger to themselves. By little kids, I mean teenagers, people living in their, their parents' basement. Yeah. Um, th- this is the most absurd thing imaginable, but it has grown to infect virtually every institution of any note in the United States. Corporate culture now is all woke, and it's implementing these training programs. You can't find a company that has more than 500 people that hasn't had a training session along these lines. That I've seen them firsthand, and I think probably many of your listeners have experienced them, where they berate white people. I mean, do the old trick. I mean, it's so common, but you do the old thing of, uh, such as just reversing the races. If Coca-Cola had told its employees... Be less black. Oh, my goodness. You could just imagine the the type of backlash across the country that would have occurred. But they do so without even raising an eyebrow, without with any form of, of punishment when it comes to whites. And Coke would no longer of, exist, Pete. I mean, let's, exactly. let's just be blunt. If, 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 a, if a whistleblower provided evidence that they brought a trainer in to train employees to be less black, to improve their company and their company morale and their company whatever, to be less black, Coca-Cola would be canceled. The, the longest probably um, uh, running or owned or, or available or whatever you want to call it, soft drink in American history would probably not exist anymore. Uh, and it's why, by the way, I joked with you this morning and I said during our segment, if you agree to be, be less black, I'll agree to be less white. We'll see how we do. Uh, Pete, let's talk more about this on the other side of the break on AM 1420 The Answer. It's 1026. Uh, we continue now with Peter Kirsten now. Hey, Pete, um, producer Derek uh, decided uh, in order to try to make me less white, he'd play some rap music coming in. So, uh, so I'm just trying to follow orders here. We're being told to be less white. Yes, so. it's much appreciated, you know. Yeah. Hey, Bob, uh, just a, a stat for your, your uh, listeners. Yeah. I know it's difficult for them when they're out in public to engage in these kinds of things, and you'd be reluctant to do so because you could get canceled. But understand, for those of you who think that this, this meme, these things you keep hearing about white supremacy everywhere, white supremacy around every corner, you probably intuitively know that, it, that it's false, but it's difficult to, to argue against it because it seems as if it's everywhere. 
Fortunately, we have a Civil Rights Commission, fortunately or unfortunately, where we do keep data. I just want to give you a couple data points just for your listeners to understand the craziness of what's going on. 100 years ago, when we had a population of about 117 million in this this country, there were 6 million Klansmen. 117 million, 6 million Klansmen. Fast forward today, we have a population of 330 million there's the, the best estimate is that there are between three to 5,000 Klansmen nationwide. But if you were to listen to MSNBC, CNN, most of the Democrats in Congress, white supremacy is the biggest problem in this country today. This is a complete joke on steroids. We're missing the real story here. It's a distraction from what they are trying to do, and that is turn the country into a woke socialist paradise. And there's no such thing. That's an oxymoron, a socialist paradise. But nonetheless, what we're being told is a big lie on steroids, and it hurts all Americans. It hurts how we mediate our relationships. It hurts how we construct our country. Pete, let, me, denigrate- let, me, let me respond to the Klansman thing, though, because what they've said is, yeah, well, you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking for the pointed hoods. Sure, nobody or very few people are going to be you know, willing to acknowledge themselves as pointed hood wearing Klansmen today. But the, the pointed hood of the old KKK you just described with 6 million out of 117 million in the country, the pointed hood became the red hat. That's how you know who yeah, the real right. Klansmen are now. Now, literally, that's what they're saying. It's not the overt Klansmen, the overt white supremacists, the overt neo-Nazis. It is the ones with those latent feelings, or they are hiding and masking them because they know that, because they don't want to get canceled, but they still actually do exist. Yeah, and we hear that all the time from all the usual suspects. As we've been talking about, Bob, and you've been very good on this, what they're attempting to do here is convert anybody who supports Donald Trump or Trumpism into something that is antithetical to America, that almost any good-hearted person would reject. So they tell this lie over and over and over again. They expand the pool of, of people who would be considered to be racist. It's done. I think it's more than most- just Trump supporters or Trumpism supporters, Pete. I think it's anybody who doesn't agree that slavery reparations need to be paid. You are going to be considered one of those modern-day Klansmen. If you don't agree with critical race theory, you are a modern-day Klansman. If you don't agree with all of these race, race, race-baiting wokeisms that you're describing here, you are part of that. And, and the worst part, Pete, when I, when I go back to that um, Woka-Cola uh, presentation, that, uh, that was, uh, uh, the video that was, was played, um, they said, here are ways to be less white. And it says, be less oppressive, be less this, less, 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 less. One of the ones right in the middle of it, which is crucial and key, Pete, is be less defensive. So in other words, when we call you a racist and a white supremacist and you deny it, your defensiveness is proof of your white supremacy. Right. This is not about race. Remember this. This is not about race. That's simply the instrument, the tool they're using to implement the... The socialist woke agenda. This has nothing to do with race per se. It has to do with implementing their agenda. Which is a Marxist agenda, by the way. And yes, it is being used by those who are obsessed with race. So there is kind of an unholy alliance there amidst, uh, amongst all of those things. All right, Pete, we'll continue right after this on AM 1420 The Answer. Attention, 
social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 1036. So uh, Cherokee Tribe says no more Jeep Cherokees. They've got to go. What else? What else? Military's in trouble. Military can't have the Apache anymore. They can't have the Cheyenne. They can't have the Chinook. They cannot have the Shawnee. They cannot have the uh, Tomahawk missiles, probably. Uh, I wonder how many other things are going to have to be canceled now because of this. For 50 years, no one has ever complained about the Jeep Cherokee. But now, and I'm going to say this, Peter Kirst now, tell me if this is too much of a, of a simp- oversimplified stretch here. Because George Floyd died in custody of police, Jeep can't make Cherokees anymore. No, that's exactly right. That's the direct trajectory from George Floyd. They seized that as an excuse, which, again, the George Floyd issue... Um, we can That's why the Indians will no longer long. be the Cleveland Indians after this year. Right, exactly. All this has been generated by the George Floyd case, um, and all the underlying rationale related to that is based on falsehoods. There's going to be a trial that's coming up very shortly with respect to Derek Chauvin, and it's impossible to get a fair trial here. The yeah. facts are going to be difficult to, to, to bring out, but they will be brought out. They'll be brought out, and we'll see precisely what happened. But you're right. All of the current lunacy... Will we? The, really? the spark, I, I think so. I think, I think we will. I, because, look, there's an interest, unless there's some kind of, of a deal struck, but there's going to be an interest on the part of the defense to bring out these facts. And the facts, we, we've discussed these facts about George Floyd and, and his demise before. I know. Um, most of the public, unfortunately, is completely unaware of what happened. But all of this, we, so many things in the last number of years have been based on a complete and utter lie. Uh, it's extraordinary what's happening here, and if you start constructing an edifice based on lies, it's going to fall apart, and it's going to be a big crash, uh, a major one. In the meantime, we're all laboring under this wokeness, this, this insanity that is dividing Americans so horribly. Uh, it's not a, it was never a perfect country, but we were a country that was moving in a direction and at a pace that no other country in history has ever witnessed. It's the best country in the history of the world. I don't care what the woke individuals say. We all know that, even though many of us have been cowed into not saying that. Nonetheless, what we have here is all of these images. I, I bet, uh, to back up a slightly uh, a bit with respect to Jeep Cherokee, uh, for a long time, I've always said that, you know, with respect to mascots and names of, of various enterprises that are named after, um, you know, whether it be ethnicities or, or whatever it may be, you don't name a team after someone you don't admire. It's, it is not a stigma to be, you know, the, the Cleveland Indians didn't name the Indians the Indians because, you know, we wanted to uh, disparage the Cleveland Indians or the, or the Cleveland baseball team. You name teams and anything else under things you admire or the traits that you admire uh, or, <clears throat> or alleged traits you admire. Um, but if we can have a deal with the left that we'll get rid of all these names, all, all these ethnicities, provided that there is no reference, there is no reference whatsoever, no decisions, anything based on race or ethnicity, henceforth, I'll say, let's strike that deal. You can't use anything with respect to all the constructs pertaining to wokeness. You have to abandon completely. But of course, they're not going to do so. Uh, They only want us to unilaterally 
stand down on all these things so they can just roll over the United States of America with their socialist agenda. I question, Pete, whether or not we're going to get all of the facts out of that trial because they will do everything they can to suppress them uh, just in the interest of... Um, you know, uh, community peace, if you will. Um, when when the whole thing went down in late May of last year, it led to around seven to eight months of nonstop rioting. If facts are allowed into evidence, and by some miracle of God, Derek Chauvin was found to have not have caused his death, maybe convicted of a lesser crime of being less than interested in helping the man, which I think is accurate. But if it comes out that the facts are he died of a fentanyl overdose and he was on his way to dying long before a knee ever got to his neck, if those kind of things came out, Pete, um, it, you know, last year's riots will look like a carnival. Uh, uh, if, if Derek Chauvin is not convicted of first-degree murder, he, the, the country will burn anew and worse than it did before. Yeah, I think it's two separate things. I don't disagree with you. I do think facts will emerge. I do think also that there's going to be enormous pressure on everybody involved to come up with the quote-unquote right verdict. And we all know what that is. Otherwise, Minneapolis and other places burn to the ground. That's why I am just so distraught about the ability of there to be the fair administration of justice. But I do think facts are going to emerge. And they're not going to be very comfortable facts for the left. You may be right that the media may, you know, kind of look askance at those facts and not report them, but we already have a significant number of, of facts related to what transpired back in May. And that is, we know that before Derek Chauvin even showed up on the scene, George Floyd said eight times while he was seated very comfortably in his own car, I can't breathe. And then when he was walking out of the car, I can't breathe. And we know that the autopsy that was done showed that the level of fentanyl in his system was three times that necessary for an overdose. And I don't know this to be the case. What I have read that the... Um, physician said is that or when the uh, coroner did the report on this he, he allegedly said i believe this is the case that if george floyd was found unconscious in his apartment it's without question that immediately they would have said based on the autopsy that you know he died of an overdose right um this is what's going on here now the chauvin is still going to have to be convicted though of something because i will say this if every word you just said is true and i believe it is you're right about what the autopsy said that's why they ordered a second autopsy that found it was because of the knee on the neck you know there were two autopsies the 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 floyd family and the you know the uh, uh uh sharpton group and all the rest demanded a second autopsy but let's suppose that everything happened the way that you said it did and you're correct the fact of the matter is Derek Chauvin had a, uh, a, a handcuffed suspect on the ground on his chest. He could not be a threat to anyone. His hands were cuffed behind his back. There was no need to, to, put, to kneel with your, you know, with, with your knee on his neck. It wasn't like you were still trying to get him under, under control. They put knees in backs all the time in order to gain control and put the cuffs on. So he was laying there, and it just didn't need to happen. So he should be convicted probably of stupidity, of maybe neglecting, neglecting a person's condition. If they knew that he was saying, I can't breathe, and he was saying it under his knee, get off of the guy. He still right. may die, 
But he shouldn't die under your knee. So I, I am not going to defend Chauvin's actions, but to say that he con- killed him and the fact that, and to say that he killed him because he's black, which is what the real issue here is, it turned, you know, led to this whole racial reckoning, if you will. Uh, there is zero evidence of that. Zero evidence of any racism in George or in uh, Derek Chauvin's past and any, uh, any evidence whatsoever that it played a role in his actions, dumb as they may have been on that day. Right. I, Bob, I don't think anybody is defending the actions. We are giving an explanation, however, that is completely contrary to the prevailing narrative that has led to where we are today with billions right. of dollars in property damage, with Americans at each other's throats. This is the most divisive period of my lifetime. I, it's, it's truly extraordinary what's going on. And the kind of woke insanity that seems to be infecting every one of our institutions, this is not good. This is, this is going to lead to a very bad result, ultimately. It's already leading to a bad result yeah. right now. But the fact is that there's so many components to that, to the whole Derek Chauvin narrative that have been seized upon by the left in a false narrative to try to drive wedges between Americans in order to accomplish their ultimate objectives. They're very clever about this. They know what they're doing, and we can see what they're doing, but we're permitted, uh, we're, we're, we're permitting them to do it because we are cowed. We're afraid of being canceled. We're afraid uh, of losing our jobs. We're f- afraid of all kinds of social opprobrium. But the truth needs to be repeated so people understand what's going on here. The whole thing is also premised on the false notion that cops are singling out blacks, that blacks are disproportionately shot by cops when, if you take a look, pause for one moment, forget the frenzy, forget the people in the media who are spewing things, either number one, they don't know about, or number two, that they're actively misrepresenting. Take a look at facts. Take a look at the truth, and you'll see that blacks are actually underrepresented in shootings. Underrepresented. I say that again. No matter how many times the people on MSNBC say the opposite of that, they are telling you a lie. And I say it's a lie because by now they should have known, based on the facts, what the truth is. It's not simply misreporting, but they are part of the servile crew that's trying to promote this agenda. For your listeners, stand firm in probably what your initial belief was that, wait a minute, this can't be true. You are correct. Trust your instincts no matter how many times you hear the big lie. The information is out there. This is horrific what is happening to our country tonight, today, and we're permitting these folks to do that. It's reprehensible. Pete, uh, I'm going to ask you one final question to wrap our session here, uh, and I'm going to go to something I teased earlier, which is I wanted to ask you a little bit about Garland. I could cover a ton of the questions asked yesterday of the Attorney General nominee, but I'll stick with one that is um, related to what you and I are talking about right now. Mike Lee asked Merrick Garland uh, about... um, Kristen Clark. Kristen Clark is in line to be the civil rights, the head of the civil rights division at the Department of Justice. Kristen Clark is a woman who once said and wrote that blacks are superior to whites in virtually every, and I'm going to paraphrase greatly here, virtually every way from childhood, from you know being born, black children sit up earlier, they stand earlier, they walk earlier, they are superior intellectually, they are superior spiritually, and they are superior physically. Now, the merits of those arguments notwithstanding, anybody who would say them publicly might be judged to be a little bit biased in terms of their view of racial equality um so mike lee asked him 
What about Kristen Clark, and what about specifically anybody who would say these things? Would you trust that person to be able to run the Civil Rights Department fairly and objectively? And Merrick Garland essentially refused to answer and said, I don't believe that she is a discriminatory person. What about those comments, sir? I don't believe she's a discriminatory person. Pete, can that person run the Civil Rights Department? And if and if uh, the Attorney General gives his blessing, can he run the DOJ? Um. The answer to those questions, first of all, we've already talked about Kristen Clark, and, you know, I've... <laughs> the the question answers itself. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, what distresses me a little bit, uh, and I'll say a little bit about Merrick Garland, although I'm not surprised, is, and maybe it distresses me because I'm concerned about what he can do at DOJ. Uh, Merrick Garland, as you know, was nominated or was going to be nominated to be um, on the Supreme Court. Um, after Antonin Scalia died. And shortly after that, I had an oral argument before Merrick Garland when he was on the D.C. Circuit. And I remember, before it became politicized, I remember coming back and telling a bunch of attorneys after, you know, I, I do tons of oral arguments, and, and you know, I, I tend to assess my experiences and the merits of the various judges uh, based on their questioning and, and, and demeanor and all kinds of things. But I was struck that Merrick Garland was one of the best judges I'd ever argued before. He was truly a smart, very smart, engaged individual. He got, it was an esoteric set of facts, and, he, and, and the issues were esoteric, and he got it right away. The other two judges, not so much on the panel. Um, so what distresses me is, this is a smart, smart, smart and savvy guy. Most judges are, but this guy is on steroids. And yet, he demurs when asked certain questions like this, which troubles me, because it says to me that he's politicizing the whole confirmation process, but also that the Justice Department may be politicized. I don't want to speak unfairly about the guy, but when he said, for example, when he, he, he hemmed and hawed about whether or not crossing the border illegally will continue to be a crime in his, uh, dur- during his tenure as attorney general, you know, he went back and forth. About, I mean, it's, it's, that's a simple yes or no answer. That's a simple yes or no answer. And if you can't say yes or no to that, or if you can't answer directly about Kristen Clark, because it's obvious. I mean, we're over here talking about Kristen Clark as if she is supposed to be a viable candidate. She should not be. Clearly should not be. The things that she has written and said, and, you know, she's appeared before the Civil Rights Commission. I've also testified on panels with her. Uh, you know, she's a very nice person, but my goodness, there are a lot of people who are very nice who should not be at the levers of power, given what their beliefs, as articulated in their own writings, have been. And so I would argue that no me. one should be in a position like that. Again, they'll call it what aboutism, but I'm just calling it fairness. No one who ever said, you know, whites are superior, their babies sit up faster, blah, 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 the whole line, nine yards, we just went through. No person like that should ever be sitting in a position of authority over another much less in the department of justice at the united states in the united states government right you don't get a pass and merrick garland should have been forthright very straightforward in his expression related to Kristen clark with respect to the other questions he was asked about you know like immigration and other the durham investigation is he going to interfere in the durham investigation i mean these are the kind of things that tell you about the fair and impartial administration of justice and if you can't answer that unequivocally then that's troubling that's truly troubling having said that as i said i think what's even more troubling is merrick garland's just not going to be an ordinary attorney general he is a very 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 smart guy so when you have a guy who's very very smart and yet will not give you a straight answer about something like that that's even worse than say you know joe biden can do damage to america inadvertently uh it'd be worse though if he were very smart and doing so out of malice 
calculated. Uh, that is much more dangerous. Right. Exactly right. That's that's very well said, Peter Kirsten. Pete, last thing before you go, I want to remind everybody, tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m., our CFFS, Citizens for Free Speech, Ohio Chapter webinar, will be held 7.30. Uh, Peter Kersenow will be our guest presenter, Pete, talking on big tech censorship, talking on uh, big government censorship, particularly due, uh, due to the uh, response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and, of course, uh, about cancel culture, right? That's right. I am looking forward to a great presentation. If you have not yet registered for Peter Kirsten out tomorrow as our featured speaker on our webinar, please do so at citizensforfreespeech.org forward slash Ohio. Register as a member of CFFS, then register for our webinar. You will not want to miss this. Peter Kirsten out. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you tomorrow night. Thanks, Rob. All right. It's at 1052. Let's get out and come right back in on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, 10.56, final segment on AM 14.20, The Answer. Quick reminder on that, that registration for tomorrow night's webinar, our monthly webinar at Citizens for Free Speech Ohio Chapter, is um, uh, citizensforfreespeech.org forward slash Ohio. You become a member first, then you can click to register for the webinar and join us at our grass, uh, as our uh, grassroots movement continues to try to defend the First Amendment against all of those forces trying to revoke it which uh, there are plenty, as I just mentioned, with Peter Kirsten. Um Let's uh, take a quick one from Jeff in Parma Heights. Jeff, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Hey, Hello. A question about the Supreme Court. They're uh, just kind of discouraged. Uh, they took an oath to obey, you know, uh, not obey, but um, abide by the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're not doing that with this election fraud. Um, uh I don't know where else to go with it. It's, uh, what else to do? The only one out there really talking about uh, Mike Lindell, you know, and he put himself out there. Yeah, now he's um, facing a $1.2 billion lawsuit from Dominion. Right, right. $1.2 uh, billion. They're trying to take his company from him is what they're trying to do to punish him right. for daring to question uh, the, the fraud. Uh, you're right. You're right, though, Jeff, to, to kind of just hit your point. I was very, very disappointed in the Supreme Court, very disappointed in Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, uh, to say the least. All we and the, the state of Pennsylvania GOP and the Trump campaign were asking the Supreme Court to do is just hear the arguments, hear the merits of the case, stop dismissing it out of hand based on standing or based on the fact that it's irrelevant now because the election's gone, there wouldn't be enough to overturn it anyway, blah, blah, blah. Just listen to the merits for the purpose of making sure that in the future, whether it be 2022 or 2024, that these types of things cannot ruin or affect future elections. And the fact that they refuse to do it is extremely disheartening because, uh, again, you know, two out of the three Trump appointees uh, voted against it. You still there? Yeah, but if they, oh. yeah, yeah, Bob. Um, but if it's, they need to fix this problem now, instead of waiting six months, a year, two years down the road, I mean, it, it needs to be fixed now. Else, it never will be. Well, yeah, you, you, I mean, there you go. You hit it at the end. Uh, it never will be. It's not going to be chair. There, no, nobody's going to, nobody's going to refile these char, these, uh, cases rather. And thank you, my friend, for the phone call. Nobody's going to refile these cases and try to reach the Supreme Court in six months or in a year or anything else. Uh, it's going to continue the same type of fraud, the same type of, um, of uh, shenanigans, uh, you know, backroom deals and ballot stuffing and ballot harvesting and all the other things we talk about, they're going to continue. 
because the uh, Supreme Court dropped the ball here. It's extraordinarily disappointing. Hey, I want to remind you as we head into um, or head out of the show rather and to Mike Gallagher, I have started uh, an account on a new social media platform. It's called Gab, G-A-B Gab. It is conservative friendly. It is not available on downloads on Apple or Google. But you can go to Gab.com. They won't do it because they refuse to allow censorship. But if you want to join me on socials, get on Gab.com. I'll tell you more tomorrow. Bye-bye.